Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Housing Wire's newest digital producer, Victoria Wickham, and this is The Daily Download. On today's episode, my colleague Kathleen Howley, Housing Wire Editor-at-Large, is here to discuss her recent HW Plus article on Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac's announcement last week to impose a 0.5% fee on refinance mortgages and how this decision could become an election issue. But before you listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Extraordinary challenges demand extraordinary solutions. CoreLogic is uniquely positioned to help you navigate this historic disruption. Whether it's virtual home showings, flexible employment verifications, or automated loan modification engines, CoreLogic delivers the data-driven solutions, targeted insights, and deep domain expertise trusted by the nation's most successful mortgage lenders. Explore how CoreLogic can help you today. Visit corelogic.com forward slash COVID-19. Welcome to the Daily Download, Kathleen. Thanks for chatting with us today. Sure, happy to be here. Jumping into our first question, what is the FHFA's reasoning behind the new fee? It's called an adverse market fee. And what that means is uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are saying that they see, you know, the environment is riskier and therefore they want to charge more to compensate for that. Because if we end up, we're not there now. We have a forbearance program that lasts as long as a year, et cetera. So, uh, you know, there are, there are, there's an, a sort of a safety net in place. But if, we, you know, if we get to the place where foreclosures start to increase, that means Fannie and Freddie are going to be owning those houses, taking care of those houses, probably selling them at a loss, perhaps, you know, that's what happened uh, 12 years ago. And they want to be compensated more for that. And I would just remind uh, listeners that, you know, right now, Fannie, when we talk about who owns Fannie and Freddie, it's taxpayers. So uh, what the, what, what, uh, the GSEs are saying is we see a riskier market now. We might have to end up buying some you know, or taking back some of these homes because Fannie and Freddie are, are, are guaranteeing those loans. And we want to be compensated for that risk. Since Wednesday's announcement, there has undoubtedly been a lot of controversy surrounding this decision, and we're now seeing industry leaders and Congress calling on the FHFA to reverse the decision. How will this affect the upcoming election, which is now less than three months away? So, and just to clarify, one point uh, uh, is that the FHFA is saying, oh, no, Fannie and Freddie decided to do this. Now, you know, the FHFA is not a loose regulator. They, they, they regulate the two largest mortgage companies in the world. They also regulate the uh, federal home loan banks. I think currently there are 11 of those. They are a very involved regulator. You know, it's not like the uh, Office of the, of the Control of the Currency, the OCC, regulates about 1,200 banks. You know, it, it's very, it's very hands-on. Uh, I, I don't, and, you know, there has been, I, I spoke to the, uh, FHFA, who said, oh, well, you, you know, you have to ask Fannie and Freddie that they decided to, to, to do this. Yeah, they don't do anything without, you know, the approval of the FHFA. Now, there, as far as the election, there are so many issues 
right now. There are so many issues that have to do with the election itself, that have to do with, you know, uh, well, the Constitution. You know, what's the role of Congress? What's the role of the executive branch? Um, So I would say that um, this will be, you, you, you very well may hear this mentioned at the Democratic National Convention, as an issue, as a tax uh, on homeowners, on, on borrowers. Uh, it's, right now it's just on refis, but what I hear is that it is also affecting mortgage rates for purchase loans. You, you might hear this mentioned. However, I would say right now there are so many like headline issues, banner headline issues going on. Will we all be able to vote during the pandemic? Uh, you know, there's a lot of issues involving voting by mail, et cetera. So I think it will be mentioned at the Democratic National Convention, but you're going to have to listen for it. You know, and, and once, if, if, if the Democrats do take the White House, I think it will be uh, uh, an issue uh, that they will deal with differently than the Republicans. You know, the Republicans were, 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 were set on a recap and release, you know, uh, freeing uh, Fannie and Freddie from conservatorship. Um, and we're already, we've already seen um, uh, waves about that. Maxine Waters put out, a, the head of the uh, House Fi- uh, Financial Services Committee, a very powerful member of Congress, put out uh, a statement saying this is outrageous and it needs to be reversed. And I say, w- what some people are saying is with the Democrats in control, they may see Fannie and Freddie as uh, they may not want to return it to the, and I'm going to say the illusion of private ownership because they're not, you know, they were chartered by Congress. They're heavily regulated. We, the Congress sets their, their mandate, their mission. Um, they've never really been a private company in what, how Americans understand that word. They've always had, you know, this uh, government guarantee that, okay, well, if we fail, the government's going to step in. You know, most companies don't have that, you know, most, uh, uh, and now we, we have a lot of regulation after the financial collapse to make sure that the big banks don't have that either, whether it's implicit or, or you know, just alluded to or just understood that way. So, um, but Fannie and Freddie, are, are the, they back more than half of the mortgages in this country. And, you know, everybody, I think everyone would agree, yeah, they, they are too big to fail. That, that can't happen and still have a functioning economy. In your article, you highlight Joe Biden's VP running mates Kamala Harris's experience as California Attorney General and how she previously sued Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in 2011 over foreclosure practices. How likely will this issue play a role in her campaign, given her history? Well, she's made very clear that she's not afraid of taking on Fannie and Freddie. Um, and, and I will say, you know, she got a lot of uh, headlines for her involvement in the 2010 uh, mortgage settlement with the five lo- of, of the nation's largest banks. Uh, it was something like it was something. Uh, it was the second largest settlement in history after the tobacco settlement many decades earlier. Um, they were talking about a, a, a much lower number when she said California. This is not enough to compensate homeowners f- who were the victims of abusive practices. And she walked away. And by the time by the time the settlement was signed it was something like quadruple the amount that they were insist, you know, that, that the other states had been willing to take. She also insisted uh, in the mortgage settlement that it not be one of these typical deals where we're going to sign and we're not going to admit any guilt, and, but we're going to protect ourselves. She, she had special, they were called like California agreements uh, in that historic settlement where if they did this again, they agreed, yeah, you can, you know, take us to court. So uh, she got, she was tough 
I, I want to say, you know, she's the first female vice presidential candidate in quite a while. I, let's not forget Geraldine Ferraro. Uh, let's not forget uh, Sarah Palin. But um, she she was tough. And although, you know, because she's a woman, she's perhaps going to be described by many as being mean and other words that are applied to women when they negotiate <laughs> in a very tough way. Um, she's not afraid to stand up uh, to these two companies, and but not just stand up to them. That's the thing. She's she got she, she got a settlement because she pointed out after this, after the 2010 mortgage settlement, she pointed out uh, that Fannie and Freddie actually were the owners. When you talk about a foreclosed house, you're taking a house back, so now you own it. So she got that big settlement. Those banks only owned about 40% of these foreclosed homes. Fannie and Freddie had the other 60%. So then she went and sued them. You know, and, and there weren't a lot of other state attorneys who, who, who did that. So she, she has not, uh, you know, she's, she's not afraid to, 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 to take on, um, you know, like I said, they're the largest mortgage financiers in the world. And she's not, she's shown in, in the past, she's not afraid to, to take them on. Up until this point, the Federal Reserve has worked to lower mortgage rates. Why were they trying to lower mortgage rates? And how does this counteract the work they've been doing? So when the Fed, the Fed made a decision in, in mid-March um, to get into the bond market to, you know, uh, resuscitate this uh, quantita- quantitative easing program that they had created during the financial crisis that did so well in, you know, addressing the, the helping, you know, ease the credit crunch. Um, so they were, they were, they're back in the markets are buying treasuries and they're buying mortgage-backed securities both of which, by the way, help mortgage rates go lower. See, mortgage rates aren't set by even Fannie Freddie. They're not set by Fannie. They're set by, or they're not set by completely by the lenders who, uh, who you know, are pricing these loans because the lenders who are pricing these loans are wondering how much are they, can they sell them for. They're packaged and they're sold in the bond market. It's bond market investors who, when they decide what yield they'll take, that's really the biggest influencer on mortgage rates. So the Fed, the Fed got in there and started buying mortgage-backed securities, started buying treasuries, which are used as a benchmark for mortgage rates, so that's sort of an indirect influence. But both of those were helping to lower mortgage rates. Um, and I can imagine, you know, that this when the Fed is buying in the bond market, it's the it's executed by this uh, this group in the New York Fed in uh, in the Fed building in Lower Manhattan. I can just imagine. I mean, the, you know, there must have been, you know. Eh, hands on the head, like, oh, my God, all this work we did to lower rates, and they just jacked them up by, uh, for refis is an additional uh, 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 half of a percentage point in this uh, adverse market fee. So the Fed did a lot of work with, with our tax money, with, you know, our, we're taxpayers, it's our money, and they, they, got to the, they, they created the low, the, probably the biggest reason we have this lowest, we hit eight record lows so far this year, in mortgage rates. And then Fannie and Freddie come out with this statement and, you know, rates, rates are up now, you know? Uh, so I, I can imagine that, um, yeah, it's kind of it the, right now, Fannie and Freddie are, are primarily owned by the government. And now we have the federal reserve and they, they seem to be working at cross purposes right now. According to Fannie Mae's statement on the increase, they created the fee because of market and economic uncertainty, resulting in higher risk and costs incurred by Fannie Mae. From an economic standpoint, why is a risk fee needed? So we, if, if loans go bad and we need to take a home back, 
it's you and me, the taxpayers, who now hold that we, you know, if we're backing, we hold the guarantee. We're backing that mortgage. Um, and that means that we're responsible for, for that house and that maybe it's going to sell at a loss and maybe, you know, we're going to take a hit. So Mark Calabria, the director of the FHFA, who is a very widely respected economist, people can disagree with his points, but he, we have a lot of economists right now in the White House who are described as like by, um, and now I'm talking about The Economist, the magazine, uh, Peter Navarro has been described by the magazine, The Economist, as a kind of a fringe economic thinker. We have Larry Kudlow, who, you know, was played an economist on TV. He was a CNBC um, personality, you know, and th now we have people like that. I would say Mark Calabria is a very respected economist, so you might not agree with him, but he, he is very credentialed and, and respected. And whenever he speaks in front of Congress, whenever he speaks, period, he will talk about he, his goal is to protect taxpayers from risk. So this is not a new thing. He, any, you ask him, anytime he talks, he talks about that. And this is, I see this as just an extension. When you look at what, uh, of, of, of his, that, that goal, when you look at what's happening right now with the economy, in the second quarter, GDP contracted almost 33%. Now that never happened even during the Great Recession. That was the Great Recession, they call it the Great Recession because it was as close as we had gotten since the Great Depression to having a depression with a D. Right now, um, you know, the, last, the latest data we had was a 33% uh, contraction in the second quarter from a year earlier. That's uh, really unbelievable. I wouldn't have, you know, lots of people would say they would not even have believed that that could happen but of course, we're now dealing with the worst pandemic uh, in over a century, the worst, worst health crisis in over a century. So they're looking at that economy. And, you know, this is different than 12 years. It is different than the 2008 financial crisis, because then it was the housing market. It was the mortgage market. It was the banks that were sick. Right now, it's an outside influence. Yes, if the virus could be controlled, we could have bounced back very quickly. Uh, but we're seeing you know, it's not being controlled. It's where we have about a quarter of the deaths from COVID-19 in the world. And we, we only have 4.2% of the world's population. So it's not being controlled, um, you know, according to the data. Uh, and Fannie and Freddie are looking at that saying, okay, right now, you know, we have a forbearance program and the rates have been dropping. We have the problem with the $600 uh, uh, beefed up, unemployment benefits, keeping people current on their bills. Um, typically unemployment only covers, and we all pay for that by the way, you know, with our, we have deductions in our, in our paycheck. It's insurance that we pay for. And then when we lose our jobs, we can take advantage of it. But then we find out, yeah, it only covers half of your, about, depending on what state you live in, because it's administered by the state. It, it, it only covers about half of your, you know, 50 or to 60% of your, your prior salary. And for a lot of people, maybe that means they're not going to be able to make their mortgage payments. Well, we saw those benefits lapse at the end of July. Everyone thought that Congress would come through and have some version of re-upping that. And they didn't. You know, the, the, I, the president signed a directive saying, and it's no one really can pin down exactly it's going to be 400 if the state states agree to kick in a hundred dollars a week so it's not the 600 but the, now it'll be 400 but the states have to kick in 100 well now maybe they don't have to kick in the 100 maybe the government the federal government will just provide the, the 300 
It's a separate program, though, and states have to set up, set their systems up to do that. That's going to take them months. It's, it's just a mess, in other words, to sum it up. It's a mess. And we don't know um, what's going to happen looking down that road. How do you go from 33% contraction, almost 33% contraction in GDP, uh, and losing of these beefed up economic uh, uh, unemployment benefits that were keeping people current on their bills? Like, what's down that road? We don't know. We, we, we haven't been down that road before. So Fannie and Freddie are saying, with this economic uncertainty, this is, that was in both of their statements, uh, we are going to raise this fee for refis. Um, however, I will say it's also pushing up rates on purchase loans uh, because the lenders who set the rates are wanting more of what they call a risk premium uh, as a result of, of the news. Thanks for joining us on the Daily Download, Kathleen, and giving us this exclusive insight into these new refinance fees. For our listeners, if you're not an HW Plus member yet, you can use the code HWPLUSPODCAST100 to get $100 off the annual subscription to read stories like the one we covered on the podcast today.